We're going into the book of First Thessalonians this evening, First Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to uh, to look into God's Word together. And uh, I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation from you tonight. Tell me what you all are seeing, and and uh, well, we've already prayed, so we're going First Thessalonians. We'll we'll read chapter three together. It's a it's a short book. It's five chapters. Uh, we're going to read chapter three together just to get a little bit of a of a flavor. I think you can get a good flavor by reading that chapter, and then we're going to go back into chapters one and two, and we're going to look at Paul as the church leader. And we're going to look at the people of Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to look at that church. So we're going to look at those two aspects of uh, this particular epistle and see what we can glean from it. Certainly there is something that if God preserved it in his word, he chose his Holy Spirit to, to, to uh, move in Paul to write it. Certainly there was reason for it. And it wasn't just for the church of, at Thessalonica. Uh, it's, it's for us today too. So uh, let's see what we can get off from that. So Brother Jordan, thank you for your prayer. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, let's let's beseech God now in His Word, and uh, we'll pick up in chapter three. We'll read those verses together, and then uh, then we'll break. All right. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, uh, unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Father, we thank you for your word. I'm thankful for your preservation of it. I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, uh, we have, don't have to rely on our own intellect, but, Lord, that uh, you have given us your Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, Lord, please guide us into a closer walk with you. Give us perfect understanding. Knit our hearts together in understanding uh, underneath the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Bless this church, God, we pray. Uh, Lord, you Use each and every one of us to further your kingdom, to edify one another, and certainly, Lord, to glorify you. We'll give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as we look at this letter, 
Again, it's a, it's a, it's a short letter. It's to, to a church. It was written by this fellow Paul. Paul was a missionary. He was a church planter, a church leader. And as you see right off the bat in verse one, he's not by himself. He's gone out with this fellow Savanius and Timoth- Timotheus and, uh, and they're working together in this particular church or they had worked in this church and now they're, now they're off somewhere else. And, and, and what do we see or what will we see in the scriptures about this fellow Paul? After all, that was his goal. He was, he was called by God in a miraculous way, name changed, uh, life changed ultimately, uh, drastically. I hope that's your testimony too, maybe not to the extent that Paul's was, but Certainly our lives should have changed, right? Uh, and hopefully it was drastically. Uh, mine was. I, I hope yours was too. Um, or man, maybe just weren't as bad as me. But uh, hey, God came in and changed things. So I'll praise God for that. So this fellow, Paul, uh, God calls him to do something, to serve, to, to, to be a part of a church plant and growth for people to come onto the Lord. I think we can learn something based on this fellow Paul. So let's look at some verses as they pertain to Paul and, uh, and see what we can detect. Again, I'm going to ask you for some participation. Uh, stay with me. Um, I'm not an exciting preacher like our pastor or brother Zach. You're going to get Fred next week. You won't go to sleep on Fred. So I just don't want you to go to sleep on me. So hang with me, read the words with me, uh, and then I'm going to call on you for answers. I'm not giving any prizes out. Uh, prizes ended with Mary, uh, but uh, the, the, prizes to know, the, the prizes to know God's word, right? All right. So the first four verses in chapter one, Paul and Savanius and Timotheus onto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and the Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. So right off the bat, Paul's writing to these people, and he's given you, he's given the, the reader of this, of course, it's to the church of Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, but we can gain insight too. What's, what do we know of Paul based on what he's saying in this letter? What are some things that stand out that's probably a good idea that we, we have this type of mentality? So Paul is, he's looking at that church. He's recognizing what's happening in him, isn't he? I think that's important for us as leaders. Uh, and, and we're all leaders to some extent. Uh, you're leading somebody, I'm sure, uh, to acknowledge, uh, what's going on in somebody. I think that that's good. Paul's not saying to the people around him, hey, just want you to know, those people over in Thessalonica, they're doing good because me, I taught them real well. Man, they know, they know about Noah, they know about Abraham, they, because of me, they're doing good. He's, he's not acting like all that. He's giving thanks for the work that the church is doing. He's genuinely happy about that. That is something th- not to take lightly. When we can find joy, not in our own success, when we can find joy, not in our own uh, um, set of circumstances that go our way, but when we can find joy in somebody else's success, especially when it's spiritual, now we're on to something. That's a good indicator. Our heart is right. Y'all got, y'all drive cars, right? I saw most of you drive in. Some of you, uh, uh, yep, I'm... Um, 
Y'all got cars. Now, when something goes wrong in your car, when you look on the dashboard, what, what, what usually happens in most cars? Check engine light. Now, Ralph, you've been around for a few years like me. Uh, you know what we call, Freddie, what do we call those lights? <laughs> we, we call them idiot lights because before they used to have gauges. You could tell the temperature, you could tell the voltage and stuff like that and how your car was running. Now basically the world is telling you, you're all too stupid. You need the little red light to come on to say, oh, I gotta take it to the dealer. Anyways, they're indicator lights that something's not right. Wouldn't that be great if we had indicator lights in our life to say, oop, we're, we're off course in, in the Lord. Well, we do. We do. If you're in God's word, those warning lights do go off. Uh, they go off in the still small voice. They go off in maybe counsel, biblical counsel that we have one with another. Through our pastor, right off the preaching of the pulpit, maybe he throws something out there that's like, wow, that's for me. Well, yeah, not because he said it, because the Holy Spirit gave it. We do have those indicator lights in our life. We just got to pay attention to them. Paul was giving thanks. He had a genuine heart for the growth of the people. We see anything else there? How about remembering without ceasing the work of your faith? What does that tell us about this fellow Paul? Remembering without ceasing the things that those people were doing. What does that tell you? Think about it. You know what? It's not a glancing thought. It, yes, he's praying for. He's invested. He genuinely cares. Now, he, yep, ab- absolutely. To to our to my downfall. Maybe this isn't y- y'all. We we do these prayer cards, and some of these prayer requests they're urgent. But pr- you know what? All of them are to are urgent to us. Sometimes I forget them. I do. Not if I take the card, but if I if I don't take the card, there's times I've forgotten. Somebody will bring up a prayer request. Oh, wow, I meant to be praying about that. Shame on us. However, this fellow, Paul, you could tell what was important to him because those are the things that he was thinking about. He held those people and what was going on in, in, in their lives in the forefront of his mind. He probably wasn't worried what Joe Milton's stats were. For last week, he probably wasn't worried about the S&P 500. He didn't have all those other. You know what I'm trying to say? You know what I mean? We just let a whole lot of other junk into our minds, which filtrate our hearts that keep us from loving one another and be invested in what God would have us to do. You know Sometimes a brother or a sister will say, you know, pray for me. I'm, I'm going out. I'm going to hand a track out to a lost man. You know, those are indicators that we should be. We need some serious prayer. We need to get home and we need to devote that for, to prayer. We need to be praying about whatever the case may be. We need to be more diligent, I think, in, 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 in the things of God, right? The things of God. So those are some, just a few of the things that we see, uh, going on with Paul. Uh, also, I, I'd like to take a look at, uh, chapter two, the first six verses of that. Look at what, and we're going to look for, for specifically about Paul. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But after that, we had suffered before, and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, 
nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which, try, which trieth the hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the, the apostles of Christ. Wow, there's a lot right there. There's a lot right there. Now, that's Paul writing about himself, but we know because the Holy Spirit moved him to write it, those things were true. What do we know of Paul based on those words? What are some things you see there that are extraordinary, are worth emulating in our life? So before Paul even got to the church at Thessalonica, before he ever got there, he was upon bad times. Things weren't going real good for him. He was doing just what God told him to do, and he's being pelted with rocks. He's a, all sorts of things happened bad to Paul because he was doing the right thing. And when he got to, Thessalono, to the Thessalonians, guess what? He didn't stop doing what was right. And it didn't go so well there to begin with either because he said it didn't happen without, con, uh, what's that C word? Thank you. Contention. It didn't happen without there. So even they gave him a hard time when he first got there. And certainly after he left, Paul's whole life, he endured difficult times when just doing the right thing. How about us? Think about that. Think about that. We were challenged with a track a day challenge in October. Just give one track out a day. You don't even got to say nothing. Just go up and give it to him quick. Don't even make eye contact and go. You could have done it that way. I don't suggest it, but you could have done it that way. I, Kim, tell me if this isn't the truth. It, back in New York, we went out. It was called the day after Christmas where people exchanged their gifts at malls. So our church had a good idea. Well, we would go out witnessing at that particular time. We would bring a small gift, and we would bring it to the people that were taking all the th- returns back and say, hey, no return. This is just for you, and give them a gospel track. Kind of a neat way to do it, right? Tell me that brother didn't. When we were in walking through the mall and sitting in that uh, that lounge area, he didn't. there was a group of kids. He didn't just wrote tracks down, didn't he? Didn't he? Some brother just did. Did he get the tracks out? Yeah. But man, that was a horrible witness in doing that. I don't know why I said that. Um, It still bothers my heart because it's like, oh no. Anyways, uh, but we were challenged with a track a day challenge. How many of us, how many of us let a day go by where we didn't do it? Maybe, maybe, I, I, I even use this excuse. Jordan, I I hate coming to the pulpit because I always got to throw myself out there, honestly. I've had days where I didn't go out of the house. Well, I couldn't give a track out. Why didn't I get out of the house to go give a track out? I've gone out of the house to get something to eat before. I've gone out of the house to go see my granddaughters before. But I didn't go out of the house to give a track out. Oh, it's not good, Fred. It's not good at all. But, but it's reality. We've got to really look at ourselves, right? We've got to look at ourselves as the scriptures lay it down, not as we compare ourselves one to another. And I'm not saying any of you are as lousy as me, but we got to stop looking at how's the church doing? How, how's, how's America doing? How's the brother in the pew doing? No. How are we doing as it relates to the scriptures? I see a lot of stuff in Paul 
that it doesn't even come into the forefront of my mind, let alone having it come out in action to my shame. Anybody see anything else right there? Uh, and we'll, then we'll move on. He was. Wow, wow. Boy, if we could get that. If we could just get that, if we're not worried about how we look one to another, how we look to the lost, boy, that's another thing. Uh, I, I, I've I've held back to my shame on witnessing, thinking they don't want to hear this. Um, oh, boy, it's just, yeah, it's just, we can't. Because it's natural. It's our flesh that says, hey, not not them. Uh, they look a little rough. Uh, they're busy right now. What, you don't know what somebody's going through. Hey, I, before I knew the Lord, I was too busy, and I was way too tough for that that church stuff. Don't be bringing me that. Well, I'm sure glad somebody brought me that because I needed that. I needed that. Hey, we all know people that are contentious. They, they, uh, they like, they like getting into confrontations anyhow. They, they might like some of that strife. That's in the wrong heart. And we all know people that don't like any contention. So we don't want to talk about God if it's going to be somebody that's going to reject it. And we'll avoid it that way. Paul, no matter what he was going through, what was going on in his mind or, or in his heart, he focused in on the Lord so that nothing would prevent him from doing that. If we were focused in on the Lord, I think our actions, our, 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 our motivations, our, 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 uh, our, our labors, our works would be, would be done uh, more fervently. If it were concentrated on the Lord, the problem is we've got to admit this to ourselves. We are not thinking of the Lord. We do not love God like we say we do, like we want to do. We gotta stop lying to ourselves and go to the altar and be diligent in God's word saying, God, I'm sorry I'm putting this in front of you. I'm sorry I'm putting that in front of you. Uh, take, uh, take it from me. Ed. Those are some hard prayers. Those are some hard prayers when the, when the things that maybe that we put before God are, are good things, but they aren't God. And we have to realize that anything that we have is of God. Boy, Paul had it and he had it right. And, 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 and it, wouldn't it be like us to have something go wrong and say, Oh, this is obviously isn't God's will because this isn't going well. I, I, they done trashed my car. They, uh, uh, I, I lost my job because of this or, or whatever the case is. God's not in it. Well, Paul didn't say that. God was in it. And look at all the stuff that went down with Paul. The problem is, if we're not careful, we start looking at the stonings that Paul went through rather than the blessings that Paul had. Paul wasn't worried about those stonings. Paul was able to get his mind so on the Lord Jesus Christ, he had joy in that stuff. It brought him to the next town. He didn't care. Once he got up from the beaten, blood dripping, clothes ripped, let's go do it again. Something's not right with an individual like that. Whatever's not right... I want that. Amen. We should have that. Think about when we go face to face with God. Are we going to throw any of the excuses that we lay down for ourselves to God? Oh man, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good when we face it. We're saved. We'll get in and all that. But boy, I hope that isn't any of our, our goal just to get in. 
We want to please him. We want to, with the life that he has now given us, he exchanged, I love that, he exchanged my sins for his righteousness. Why? Did it get me into heaven? Well, it got me into heaven, but it was to bring him glory so that others would get in. All right. So Paul did some great and wonderful things, but we knew that. And he's the leader, and that's like Toby level. So, uh, you know, that's not for us, right? We know better than that, right? Uh, we're, we need to be striving. We need to be a Paul in somebody's life. I hope that you're instilling and teaching somebody. Maybe it's a child, a grandchild, a coworker, a friend, a, a parent, somebody older than you, somebody younger than you, so, whoever. I hope you're instilling truth into somebody on a regular basis. Uh, find somebody that's hungry. They're out there. They're out there. Be, be a Paul to somebody. And if we're gonna gonna have a Paul in our life, certainly we want to be we want to have Pauls in our life. You want to have somebody that you can take your prayer request to, somebody that you can bring something to. These people in Thessalonica looked at Paul, Timotheus, and Savannah, and uh, and they gleaned from them. Uh, so let's look at, at at the church and what they what they did right. Uh, I, I, I kind of gl- glossed over this real quick. Can I just pull back on Paul for a second? There's a couple descriptive words or, or analogies that uh, Paul used for himself when dealing with the church. One is found in two seven. Look at this. Two seven, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherish, cherishes her children. And in verse fourteen, uh, he says, "For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which is in Judea, are in Christ Jesus, and ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, as ye have of the Jews." I'm sorry, I did not read the right verse. Eleven, uh, as ye know how we exhorted you and comforted you and charged every one of you, as a father does his children. There are two very drastic. Different analogies that Paul used of himself when dealing with that church. He said he cherished them as a nurse. Now, you don't think of Paul, that sharp tongue, uh, uh, bold guy, fervent guy as a, as a nurse, but he did. Those are his words. He cherished them. He affectionately went after them. He, uh, he, they were dear to him. He, Paul says in chapter two. And then in, in, uh, verse 11, he, he, uh, he, uh, um, what did he do with them as a father? He, uh, he charged every one of you, even as a father does his children. So when, when they got off base, when they were, uh, not following right, when they were, when they were, when they were off, he rebuked them for that. He corrected them for that. That's not always easy. But if you've got somebody in your life that is willing to step out of their comfort zone to rebuke you and they do it in the spirit, you better get on your knees and thank God for a person like that in your life because they don't come around very much. You get a whole lot more flattering words and pats on the back than you do true biblical counsel with a fervent desire for your growth. You got somebody in your life like that, you thank God for them. That, that, that is, that is critical. And you know what? Let's, let's go one step further. Let's be that. Let's be that person for somebody in their life. Maybe they won't like it. Maybe you'll say, "Hey, man, I I, I see something there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're you're off or what, but you should consider. If they get mad at you, they get mad at you. If you did it with the right heart because you want to see them grow, they get mad at you. Chalk it up. I say that, and that's going to be so difficult for me. That is not me. <laughs> Hold me accountable, will you? Uh, I trust you. Hold me accountable. Have me yell at somebody. <laughs> 
Just, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not definitely not what it's all about. All right, let's look at the church. Uh, verses, uh, chapter one, verses six through ten. Let's look at this as the church. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Archaea, and uh, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves shew uh, of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What do you see there about the church? What has the church done right? They went out and told. They saw Paul doing it to them, and they said, yep, that's what we need to do. They went out and did it. They went out and they had a testimony, and it was going all abroad, uh, and and it was bearing forth great fruit. They were doing it. What else? What else do we see the church involved in that, that's good? The Bible's pointing to good. Don't leave your head down too long. I'll call on you. Say it again, Jay. Yes. 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 That, uh, that's a great verse. Uh, where is that? Um, nine. Thank you. Uh, so nine. For they themselves show unto you what manner of entering in we had unto you, uh, and how ye turn to God from the idols to serve the living God. So important to grasp that, right? They, they were obviously serving idols. We've got that in our lives too. Don't, don't think that that doesn't happen. There's idols. This is, a, this is a key to somebody's growth, a church's growth, a person's growth, your growth, my growth. We turn from the idols to God. But we don't stop there. We shouldn't stop there. For what purpose? To serve. Now what, Lord? Now what can I do for you? That is so important because listen, if you don't turn from the idols and you turn to God, you missed it. If you, if you don't turn to the idols, you turn to God and you try to serve, you done missed it. You won't serve right. You will not have the power of God in your life. If you don't, if you turn from the idols but don't turn to God, and try to do it of yourself to serve? Ask Skeva and his sons how that worked out. It doesn't work. That is the formula. You turn from the idols, the things of the world, the things of your flesh, and you turn to God with the purpose you are going to serve him. What does it mean to serve God? How do we know if we're serving God? How do you know, Brother Brandon? How do you know? How do you know if you're serving God? If you have communion with God, sure. How do you know you have communion with God? You're in his will. How do you know you're in his will, Gary? That's important. Don't take me there. You've got to be in God's will. How do you know you're in God's will? You've got to know how you... What is it? Read the word. God doesn't hide his will from us. It's not a hidden thing. You don't have to have a, a doctrine in theology to know what the will of God is. Open the book. Open the book. You'll see God's will. And when it says that it pleases God, do it. And when you see that it says God doesn't like it, stop doing it. That's not, you don't need to go to school for that. You don't. 
Just go please God and serve him. Turn from the junk. Turn to God and serve him. That's what the church was all about. That's what the church should have been all about. Uh, look at verses 2, uh, 13 and 14. Uh, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the church of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Hey, it's after 8 o'clock clock already i'll wrap this up not even close to being done but i'll wrap this up what do you see there what do you see about these people and what they did and more specifically with what they did with what yes and what did god give to them his word his word and what did you say sam didn't let that stop them. Those were all examples they had in Paul, but they were living it out. We have those examples in our Savior. It, nothing, it, there's not a better example than what Jesus did for us. And we know we won't get to that height. However, His Spirit is in us. His, He has given us His mind through His Word. We really are without excuse. When we look at this particular church and we see what they're doing, what they're not doing, if we're, if we're intelligent people, if we're smart people, if we have a heart for God, we stop and we say, does that look like us? And if not, why? How do we get to this. This is what God chose to preserve for all eternity, to give to us the, his church, his bride, to, to, to uh, allow us to be wrinkle free, spotless, to have his mind. He wants us like this. If we come into this building and we have our eyes set on the American church or any of us that are not fully sold out for God, we are missing it. And if you come three, four times a week and miss it, you're still missing it. I'm still missing it. We've got to get in this word and let this word change us so that our lives look more like this than it does like this. Amen. Amen. Hey, reality check before I walk down from here. Reality check. Our pastor comes to this pulpit. He opens up this book. He doesn't fill us with a bunch of jokes and stories and things like that. He gives us the word of God faithfully, weekly. He's laying that out to us on a regular basis. How often are we taking that as the word of God and having it, committing it to our life so that it brings forth a change? And we're not just coming in here, oh, it's a good message. Oh, it's a good point. I never saw that before in old Samuel. I fear that in us. I fear that in the in the church today. I, I, I talk to lost people. They don't see a difference in us anymore. They don't want anything to do with Christianity because they don't see a difference in us. And rather than get mad and say, oh, yes, Joel Steen's church, I got to say, wait a minute. 
They were talking to me. And they were saying that. Time to stop thinking we're okay because we're in church. And I don't, by all means, don't get out of church. We gotta stop thinking we're okay just because we come in. It's how we go out from here. It's when we get up from our devotion time with God and time spent in His Word. It's how we get up from that that's really gonna matter. I think we gotta get serious. I, 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 we keep saying He's coming back. And I believe it. I'm not just saying I believe it. However, if I believe that, uh, there's other things that, uh, come on, Jim, it, it, time's running out. All right, I'm going to end in a word of prayer. I don't have no altar call. I don't play no music. Um, you do what you got to do.